everybody. Oh, guys, I need you to do a little bit better than that. I need some energy from you this morning. Good morning, everybody. There we go. There we go. Well, welcome to Epiphany Church. Uh, My name is Pastor Derek Parks, and I have the privilege of serving here as the lead pastor at Epiphany Church. And so I'm so grateful to the Lord that you are all here uh, with us today in worship. And so as we um, are getting ready to jump into the word of God, uh, I just wanted to say that we love you guys. We love you guys, and we're so grateful to the Lord for each and every one of you. We pray for you uh, every single week. We're praying for you guys, and we love each and every one of you and are thankful to the Lord for you guys being a part of our our church here. Um, And so, um, with that being said, if this is your first time here, um, uh, we just want to shout you out. If you didn't get one of those connection cards in the beginning, uh, just raise your hand, and we want to bring one of those to you. Um, But if you did get it, uh, we want to say welcome to you. And so, Epiphany, let's give our first-timers a warm welcome, okay? All right. And so we are in a series called Devoted. And so we've been walking through this series um, through the book of James. And so James, uh, who was the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this letter. And in this letter, uh, he's been giving us some amazing things about what it means to be devoted to the Savior. Um, And so this idea of being devoted is one that, um, for me, I, I feel like it's a misnomer in our culture. We, we sort of snicker and sneer at the idea of devotion. Oftentimes, we don't even value devotion. And anything that even looks like devotion, we kind of shy away from. Uh, and what I mean by that is this, is devotion is defined as giving all or a large portion of one's time and resources to a particular person or cause. And so we have the most amazing person and the most amazing cause to give our time and devotion to, and that's Jesus. And so what we're doing in this series is that we're calling you to live lives that are devoted to Jesus in a real and tangible way. And so James has been teaching us as we've been walking through this book together. We are now in chapter two uh, of of walking through this book, and we're taking our time walking through this book because I think it's really important for us to to consider what James has to say to us. Uh, So we're we're going verse by verse here, taking our time uh, and just a little bit more slowly than we go verse by verse. But I, I think it's important for us to do that. Uh, and so in this in this passage, we're in, in, in James chapter two today, verse eight through 11. Uh, and I'll read this for you. And if not, we'll have it up here for you on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Um, and so James chapter two, verse eight. Verses one through 11, it, it, it reads like this. It says, in, if indeed. You fulfill the law, the royal law, excuse me, prescribed in the scripture, which is this love your neighbor as yourself, then you are doing well. But however, if you show favoritism, you sin, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you are a lawbreaker. Father, I pray, God, by your spirit, God, that you would lead us today, guide us in your word. Father, I pray, God, by your spirit, that you would strengthen us, your people, God, so that when we hear this word, that we might respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And so, Father, it is in that same spirit that I pray, God, that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer, in who I place all my trust. And everyone said, Amen. There was a man who was a piano tuner, and he walks to a woman's door and he knocks on her door. And the woman comes to the door and he says, Madam, I am the piano tuner. To which the woman replies, Sir, 
I didn't send for a piano tuner. And the man replies to her, he says, he says, ma'am, I know your neighbors did. And so I want to tag this text today as won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Thank you. And so what we see in this passage today and in this story to illustrate this passage is that being a neighbor carries implications. Being a neighbor carries some weight to it. Being a neighbor can have an indelible mark on someone else's life. And that's why we are called in this passage to fulfill the royal law that's prescribed in the scripture, which is simply this, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're going to go there today because I, I really want to help us to understand a couple of things. Number one, I want to help us to get clear about who is our neighbor. I want to help us get clear today on that. And the second thing I want to do is help us to get clear about what our responsibility is once we've identified who our neighbor is. And so we're going to go there today. And as we look at this passage, James, the brother of Jesus, he's instructing us today. He's saying this. He gives us this call. He says, if indeed you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. This idea here that James is impressing on us about fulfilling the royal law prescribed in the scripture is this. This idea of fulfilling, uh, it, is, it, it talks about performing or, or executing the royal law. It, it, it talks about completing the orders that have been given to us which is to follow this royal law. So what it's talking about is teaching us to, to carry out the contents of the command that has been given to us by our brother James. Now, now, now James here is being very clear. He, he, he's quoting Jesus. He, he's quoting Jesus in this passage. He, he's letting us know, listen, that, that this is the greatest thing that you can do. In fact, it's so great that it's prescribed as the royal law. It's something that's so great and so positive that we are called to do it because Jesus instructed us to do this. And so James here is, is calling us as believers. He's calling us as brothers and sisters to follow the law that has been given to us and prescribed to us by the king. And so when we're talking about carrying out this, this idea, this royal law, or fulfilling the royal law, the word there used for fulfill is the same word used in John 19 and 30, which says this, that when Jesus is on the cross, he looks down and he says, it is finished. Christ satisfied God's justice by dying for all to pay for the sins of those who were called to him. And these sins cannot be, these sins can never be punished again since they violate God's law because Jesus declared on the cross that it is finished. And so the sins that we commit, the sins that, 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 we, that we perform, the sins that we execute, and listen, we do that every single day of our lives. But the good news is, and we're going to jump right into that, is that Jesus, he has fulfilled what was necessary for that to be satisfied in our lives. See, we sin each and every day and we need a savior. The reason we need a savior is because God is holy. And because he's holy, sin cannot be in his presence. And because he's holy, guess what? He's also just. And because he's a just God, he, he had to do something about the sin that's in our lives. And listen to this. We sing about the goodness of the Lord today. And here is the goodness of our God is that he devised a plan before the foundations of the world to send his son into the world to die for our sins so that we might be able to enter into relationship with Jesus again. All we have to do is place our faith and trust in Jesus. Like John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life 
That's the message that we proclaim. And so here in this passage, James uses the same word that Jesus used on the cross (laughs) to talk to us about our responsibility to follow this law of Jesus. And so as we're looking at this, that, that, that sounds heavy, right? That, sound, that sounds a little bit weighty for us. Like we, we've got to accomplish something in the same way that Jesus accomplished what he accomplished on the cross. Like that, that sounds a little weighty. But here's the good news is that Jesus gives us everything that we need in order to follow this law. He gives us everything that we need. In fact, he prayed in John 17. He says, I pray that they might have the same love that we have. And Jesus is encouraging us, and and James is encouraging us in this passage that we are to follow the royal law that has been laid out for us. Now, this royal law, family, is a law that's befitting or worthy of a king. Now, when you hear this, right, when you hear loving your neighbor, and, and, and if you think about kings today, right, we don't have many kings around us, but when you think about people who are, who are in authority and who are rulers, we don't oftentimes think of them in the sense that they're loving their neighbor. Oftentimes it looks like, and when we get the caricatures of kings, it looks like they're seeking to love themselves, <laughs> It seems like they're seeking to serve themselves. But Jesus taught us that the greatest among us is what? A servant. And so Jesus is showing us here that if we are going to love our brothers and sisters, if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, then we have to learn how to shape our minds differently around this law. This is a law that is befitting for the king. It's a law that belongs to the king. So the law of loving your neighbor belongs to the king, but it also befits the king. And so here's what I want you to see is this, is that this law that we've been given to love our neighbor, it comes directly from the king, but it also, it also is befitting for us that we, when we walk in the truth of God, when we walk according to the scriptures, when we walk according to the, the royal law that is in the scripture, it is befitting for the king. And so here's what that means. That means that when we love our neighbor, (laughs) then we can walk before kings. When we love our neighbor, (laughs) we get to walk like kings. Y'all know how y'all do? Be like, peace, king. Like, y'all be doing all that weird stuff, calling each other king and all that kind of stuff. Like, y'all get it. But, like, if you really want to be a king, here's what you got to do. Love your neighbor. If, If you really want to have that to mark your life, love your neighbor. And not just love your neighbor, right? Because sometimes what we do, family, is that when we're seeking to love, we give people the scraps that we've got left. See, when we get to loving people, sometimes we we go and we give them the scraps that we have left over after we've done worked ourselves to the bone, after we've done chased after the bag, after we've pursued everything that we want to do. Then we give up our time and ourselves to love our, our neighbor. But that's not what Jesus instructs us to do. He instructs us, listen to this, y'all, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so listen to this. The devoted recognize what belongs to the king, and what belongs to the king is our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so nothing that we have belongs to us because everything that we have has been given to us by the Savior. And so when he calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves, We do that because we recognize that what we have belongs to the king. So that we don't give people scraps and we don't give people secondary stuff. We give just like we would give to ourselves. And so here, this law here, this royal law that we're called to follow, it's talking about in in, in Christianity, it's, it's, it's this idea of the law that demands faith in order to accomplish it. And so if we're going to accomplish this law, the family of God, we've got to hold on to the faith that we have been given through Christ. That's the only way you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. The only way you'll love your neighbor as yourself is if you do that from a place of faith. So you, you, you're, you're never going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself on your own strength. You're not going to be able to do it. You'll never be able to love your neighbor as yourself on your own strength. You need the faith of God 
to come into your life in order for you to do that. And so here's what James is teaching us. He's saying to us this. He's saying this law, this idea here about the law, it, it's, 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 like, it's like food for grazing. It's like the food that, that's thrown out for animals to graze upon. And here's what we have to understand. When we're devoted, we've got to know where our food comes from. See, when we're devoted, we've we got to know where our food comes from. And so listen to this. It, 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 we do this. We follow this law. We fulfill this law simply because... God is the one who is providing for us in order to be able to love our neighbor as ourselves. You understand what I'm saying? So look at this. I want to give you a couple passages to help you see this. John chapter 4, Jesus tells them this. He goes on and he says, look, <laughs> I've got some food to eat that you know nothing about. <laughs> he says, I've got food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples are like, did somebody else bring them food? <laughs> did he get DoorDash or something? Like, they were just trying to figure out where Jesus got this food from. But Jesus is instructing them about loving their neighbor. It looks like this. It looks like you loving your neighbor can't be from something external. Loving your neighbor has to come through something that is internal. And so what's internal what, what, what's, what's feeding you, what, 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 what's filling you up, it must be the word of God. And so family, listen to me. You'll never be able to love your neighbor as yourself if you're not following the word of God. See, the word of God is going to tell you to do some stuff that's difficult to do. The word of God is going to tell you to do some stuff that's hard to do. Like if, if someone strikes you on your right cheek, Y'all ain't even going to finish it for me because y'all like, nah. <laughs> Turn to them the other one. See, see when, 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 when people speak evil against you, you're supposed to hold your tongue. See, we, don't wanna, we, we can't do any of that stuff if the word of God isn't settled in our heart, if the word of God isn't filling up our hearts. And the challenge for us, fam, listen, the challenge is this is that if we're truly going to love God with all of our heart, with all of our understanding, with all of our strength, Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 23, if we're going to truly love our neighbor as ourselves, then we're going to have to sacrifice some stuff. Give me Mark chapter 12, verse 33. It says this, it says, And to him, with, to love him with all your heart, your understanding and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And so what they were thinking was, in Jesus' day, they were thinking that if we just made the offering, if we made the sacrifices, if we followed the things that we were supposed to follow, it didn't really matter how we treated people. <laughs> and we think that too. It, it, as long as we uh, are doing the right things, as long as, as, as we're pursuing the right path, as long as we're going in the right direction, it really doesn't even matter how we treat people. But that's not the reality, family. The reality is, is that we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, let's be clear about this. We're going to talk about who your neighbor is in a second. But let's be clear. You treat yourself really well. You treat yourself good. Yes, you do. I do. I treat myself well. You know, we do. We prefer ourselves over others, and we live like it. We treat ourselves very well. <laughs> when the oxygen mask come down on the plane, you ain't thinking about the other person. You're going to secure yours first, which is what they tell you to do. But they didn't need to tell you that. They, the, the, that, that, <laughs> that flight attendant did not need you to tell you to secure your oxygen mask first. You're like, miss, <laughs> I love me. I'm going to save me. <laughs> they ain't even need to tell you that. I'm like, okay. But listen to this. This command here for us is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our neighbor is defined as anyone close by or near to us. Now, according to Christ, any other person, irrespective of their nation or religion, with whom we live or with whom we have a chance to meet 
Those people are our neighbors. And so I want to help us define this. A neighbor is a person, is any person in need of help or kindness. A neighbor is any person in need of one's help or kindness. How do I know that? Luke chapter 10, verse 29. This expert of the law comes to Jesus and he's trying to like ask Jesus some questions and he's trying to trip him up on some stuff like this rug is trying to trip me up on some stuff. Uh, He's trying to teach him some stuff about what to do. I got it. Thank you. See how fast he was ready to come up there? Um, and he's, he's, he's asking Jesus a question and Jesus is talking to him. And so then he responds to Jesus. And, and here's what the passage says, verse 10, uh, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 29 of Luke. He says, but wanting to justify himself, he asks, and who is my neighbor? See, we do this. <laughs> we do the same thing all the time. We are aware of the command to love our neighbor. We're, we're, we're clear. We, we, if you've been a Christian for, for a half a day, like you understand the command to love your neighbor as yourself. You don't even have to be a Christian to understand this command of loving your neighbor as yourself. But the reality is this, is that we're always trying to posture and justify ourselves and asking, are they really my neighbor? And so that's why I tagged this text today as won't you be my neighbor? Because I want you to see every person that you come in contact with, every person who lives near you, every person who works with you, every person who you see in the coffee shop, every person that you see at McDonald's, wherever you go, every person that you come in contact with is your neighbor. And Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves and so then jesus after after the guy asked him he says who then is my neighbor jesus gives him this story about the good samaritan anybody familiar with the story of the good samaritan yeah okay so the story of the good samaritan this person falls down they fall ill a priest walks past them it sounds like a a joke that's about to start a priest walks by (laughs) some other people walk by right but then this this foreign person walks by and they stop and they help him And so then Jesus asked them, which one here is their neighbor? And the the man replies, he says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus told him, he said, yep, you're right. Now go do the same in verse 37. That's what he tells him. And so that's so important for us is this, is that we all can look around us and see people in need of mercy around us. We can all look around and see people in need of mercy. We, we did our food giveaway yesterday, um, and, man, my heart was, was, was really heavy. Um, just as we were giving out food to people, and ta- I got an opportunity to talk with some people, pray with some people yesterday. And, and there, was a, there was a lady who I was talking to who was upwards in age, and, like, my heart just began to break because, I, because of the, the mercy that she was in need of. Like, my heart began to hurt there was another young lady who came out yesterday and, and she was in need of some stuff for her and her baby. And, and my heart just grew heavy because there's so many people who are in need of mercy. And so fam- what, what, what God has called us to, what, what he's instructing us to do is, is to show mercy. That's what loving your neighbor is about, is about showing mercy to people who are in need of it. And and we show ourselves mercy all the time. That's why he tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's because we know how to show us mercy. We're not confused about how to show us mercy. Even when it comes to stuff that would benefit us, but it feels a little painful, we won't do it because we know how to show ourselves mercy. (laughs) My wife and I have been walking the, 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 the track near us in the morning and one morning i was like i'm not feeling this like i don't feel like walking i'm tired my legs hurt it's six in the morning like i don't want to do this now i know that walking in the morning it benefits me all day long right i know that it's it's good and so as i was out there my mind kept contemplating just go sit on the steps over there show yourself some mercy (laughs) You've been, you've been faithful. 
You've been walking. You've been doing this thing. Just, just go on and get, show yourself some mercy. Even when I know that walking benefits me. Even when I know I can see the benefits of walking. Even though when I know it, I still know how to show myself mercy. And so what Jesus is teaching us is that we have to be, we have to learn how to show mercy to people in the same way that we show mercy to ourselves. Because we don't let anybody off the hook more than we let ourselves off the hook. We don't let anybody off the hook better than we let ourselves off the hook. We don't care for anybody else better than we care for ourselves. And even when it's even when it's damaging to us, even when it's not beneficial to us, you had a hard day. Have a third ice cream sandwich. It's all right. Like like we show ourselves mercy better than we show anybody else mercy. And what Jesus is calling us to do, what Jesus is instructing us to do is to apply that same principle of mercy that we apply to ourselves to our neighbor. And so when you see your neighbor struggling, when you see your neighbor hurting, when you see your neighbor destitute and not knowing Jesus, then you've got to love them and show them some mercy so that they might be able to get relief from what it is that struggle that they're struggling with. And here it is, Romans 13, 10, it says that love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. So therefore, he says, love is the fulfillment of the law. And this is important because so many of us don't love our neighbor because we're rule followers. Some of us don't love our neighbor because we have a synchronized schedule and we can't handle any interruptions to our schedule. So that person walking beside you asking you for some help, you don't have any time because you got a schedule to keep. We don't apply the same kind of mercy to other people that we apply to ourselves. It's a dude who uh, works in the barbershop that I go to, and he's always late. He's the barber. He's always late. Like, he'd be running into the barbershop like, all right, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> but let him be on time and his client be late. He's like, oh, I can't see you today because you, you five minutes late. And we'd be scratching our head like, bro, like, you be late all the time. <laughs> Like, you can't show them a little bit of grace, like, when they come in here and they late. But love does no wrong to a neighbor because it's the fulfillment of the law. Loving is the fulfillment of all the commands that you can construct in your mind to protect yourself from people hurting you. Love <laughs> is the fulfillment of Every kind of command that you can determine for your life that you'll use to guard you from having to truly deal with the person around you who kind of gets on your nerves. I'm talking to myself. (laughs) There's some people who get on my nerves. They irk me like in a real way. I'd be irritated. But the scripture still calls me to love them despite my irritation with them. The scripture still calls me to, to love them despite how I might feel about them. And listen to this. He tells us, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. The word here used for self is a reflexive pronoun. Now, the reflexive pronoun, it, it talks about this. It talks about a pronoun that refers back to the subject of the clause and all that kind of stuff. This is an English class, but it, it, it talks about that. But this idea of reflexive, it talks about something that's performed as a reflex without any conscious thought. And so loving your neighbor as yourself has to become something that's a reflex for the believer. 
See, the believer has to love their neighbor, not out of compulsion, but as a reflex. <laughs> See, we've got to begin to learn. And some of y'all, y'all got some good reflexes because anytime somebody says something to you that you don't like, you start backing away from them. Anybody, anytime, somebody, anytime somebody doesn't acknowledge you the way that you want them to acknowledge you, you start to back away from them. We've got good reflexes when it comes to people. It's just that our reflexes are in the negative direction instead of being in the positive direction. And so we have to learn how to love our neighbor as a positive reflex in our lives. We got to learn how to press in to loving our brother and our sister. We got to learn how to press in to, to, to protecting and guarding our brother and our sister and our neighbor. We've got to learn how to lean into that stuff. Because the reality is, fam, is that when we get into situations with people, oftentimes our reflex is to turn our back on people when Jesus never turned his back on you. No matter how bad the stuff was that you did. And if we'll tell the truth in here, some of us did some stuff that Jesus should have turned his back on. Some of us said some stuff to people that Jesus had the right to turn his back on to, but because of his great love and goodness for us, because of his kindness for us, because of his mercy towards us, he never turns his back on us. And so we've got to learn how to not turn our back on people. And some of you may not turn your back on them directly, but you'll certainly do it indirectly. Because you'll be shady as a mug towards them. They say hi to you, you go, hmm. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> hey, hey. Mm -hmm. I know how y'all do. And so he's calling us to love our neighbor. And the devoted, listen to this, the devoted, they don't give loving their neighbor a second thought. When it comes down to a neighbor who is in need, guess what we do? We love our neighbor and we show them mercy. Galatians 5.14 says this. It says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Look at this. Love your neighbor as yourself. This, this is throughout the whole Bible. Like, this isn't just something that Jesus came up. Jesus is actually quoting Leviticus 19. And, and, and all this stuff that's coming up is we're seeing here, and we're seeing all throughout the Scripture, Jesus is calling a command for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And he says, when you do that, James tells us, when you do that, he says, you are doing well. In other words, he says, when you love your neighbor as yourself, you are acting rightly, you're acting beautifully, you're acting finely, you're acting excellently, and you, watch this, he says, you are full well when you love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean, Pastor Derek? That means that you know you're really healthy when you're able to love your neighbor as yourself. A sign of you having spiritual health a sign of you having emotional health is how you respond to people who respond to you negatively. Somebody having a bad day and you speak to them and because they're having a bad day, they don't respond how you would want them to respond. You automatically turn them into an enemy. We have to learn how to respond to our brothers and sisters beautifully and be full well in our responses when i was going through uh, uh the, the counseling program that i did because i was a mental health therapist before i was a pastor and I, we did all this stuff and we talked about we talked about something that it doesn't matter how people respond to you your response is your responsibility and so you know that you're full well you know that you're in full health when you respond to people according to God's word, regardless of how they interact with you. That's difficult. That's hard to do. I get it. That's hard to do. But we're called to do that. James, he goes on. I got to move because I'm running out of time. James goes to verse 9. He says, if anyone, however, sh if, however, you show favoritism, listen to this, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. 
We talked about this last week because James told us in the beginning of, 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 of chapter two, he says, brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And so now he's revisiting that idea. He's saying, listen, if you do show favoritism, it's not just something neutral. You're committing sin. And you're committing sin and you become convicted by the law as a transgressor. And so this idea about loving your neighbor, it, it, it carries with it the weight of showing favoritism, not to other people, but showing favoritism to yourself when you can't love your neighbor well. And so what we got to see is, is that Jesus is calling us not to be respecters of persons. He's calling us not to show partiality. And the greatest place that we show partiality is to ourselves. We show ourselves more respect than we show anybody else respect. But Jesus is saying to us, he's saying, listen, you got to learn how not to just pick who you like. <laughs> because this word here for favoritism, it also can be defined. Uh, and and this, this particular word for favoritism is only used one time in the New Testament. And it's used right here in this passage. And it's used to talk about discriminating. And so here's what happens. Discrimination is, happens when we think our neighbor is only the person we like. We discriminate when we think our neighbor is only the person that we like. Now, I don't mean like people that we like, like people who have, who have affinity for, but I'm, I'm talking a little hood. I'm saying people we like. I'll help you. People we look like. That's called racism. I'll help you. People we think like. That's called elitism. People we live like. That's called classism. I, didn't, I couldn't think of another way to say this, so bear with me. I Forgive me. People we pee like. That's sexism. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't think of another way to describe it. I'm sorry. I'm human. Forgive me. <laughs> Luke chapter 6 tells us, he says this, this is so good, because the impetus about this is, is we discriminate because we think our neighbor is only people that we like, that we look like, think like, live like, but the reality of the scripture is this, Luke chapter 6 verse 35 tells us this, he says, love even your enemies. That's clear. People who are different from you. People who you can't really deal with. Jesus calls you to even love them. But not only that, love them. Do what is good to them. Lend expecting nothing in return. Then he tells us that your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. For he is gracious to the ungrateful and the evil. One of the things that makes it very challenging for us to love our neighbor is that we discriminate. But family, the devoted don't discriminate. We love everybody. Everybody. There's not some people we love and some we don't. We love everybody. Because there's not some people that Jesus loves. <laughs> he loves everybody. So he tells me, he says, listen, if you show favoritism, you commit sin. And this word for sin talks about wandering from the law of God. 
and, and in Greek writings, sin is first an error in understanding and second an error in deed or action. So you sin in your mind before you ever sin with your actions. You know how it is. Before you ever mistreat someone, you start thinking about all the ways that you don't like them. And so family, we have to learn how to deal with that stuff in our mind first. Because the reality is this. You'll never be able to love someone if you don't hold them fondly in your mind. Fondly, excuse me, in your mind. That's what that word love means, is to, to, to consider fondly someone. And so you've got all these negative thoughts about people in your mind, and that's why you don't act accordingly with them. Because you've allowed your mind to be clouded with thoughts that are negative about people. And most of the time, because you're listening to other people talk to you about their experience with them. So don't let anybody else's experience with a person guide your experience with a person. Because believers are called to love even their enemies says if you don't you commit sin and you'll be convicted in the law as a transgressor the word transgressor just means it's lawbreaker and as I close verse 10 and 11 he says for whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking the law That's why God doesn't care anything about your piousness. God doesn't care anything about how good you think you are. Because you may be amazing in one area, but there's something. There's something in your life that you struggle with. You may not struggle with lying, but you struggle with pride. You may not struggle with fornication, but you struggle with lust. You may not struggle with some things. And, and we look at people and we determine the, their value based on what they struggle with. When Jesus is calling us to, to pay attention to ourselves. To attend carefully to the law. Hebrews 10, 22. It says this, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The reason, family of God, that we are called to love our neighbor in spite of what they do or what they have done is because Jesus loved us while we were yet sinners. And so all the reasons that you can calculate about why you don't love people, why you don't, why you don't live uh, in right relationship with your neighbor, why you don't deal with certain people, why, why you don't fool with certain people, all of the reasons that you can calculate, they crumble at the foot of the cross. Because at the foot of the cross, you'll see all the reasons why Jesus shouldn't have dealt with you. You'll see all the reasons why God should have nothing to do with you. At the foot of the cross, you'll see every excuse that you have for why you shouldn't deal with people. And here's the beauty. At the foot of the cross, his blood washes away it all. At the foot of the cross, 
His blood washes away it all. We've been cleansed from the guilt of our conscience. Our bodies have been washed clean. Our minds have been renewed. Because of the blood of the Lamb. And so family, we love our neighbor regardless of how they treat us. Regardless of how they look. Regardless of how they think. We love our neighbor because Jesus loved us despite all of our idiosyncrasies, all of our shortcomings, all of the things that determine why we fall short before his grace. He still loved us. Surely, we can love our brother and sister through an offense. Surely, we can love our brother and sister through a disagreement. Surely, we can love our brother and sister through an argument. It doesn't matter what it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so as I close, you can write these three ideas down. The devoted, they know their neighbor. They love their neighbor. And lastly, they give away their guilt. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says this, And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Family, we know that Christ has been raised. We celebrate that every day of our lives. Christ has been raised from the dead. And in his raising from the dead, he declares victory over sin, over death in our lives. He did that because of his great love for us. And so let us love our neighbor as ourselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, won't you be my neighbor? Turn to your other neighbor and say, won't you be my neighbor? Turn behind you and say, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Father, thank you that you came near to us, establishing yourself as our neighbor by wrapping yourself in flesh and coming to dwell among us. And Father, in that, you've loved us with an infinite love. You've loved us with a great love. And Father, we thank you for that great love. We surrender our hearts to you today, Jesus. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us to recognize who our neighbor is so that we might love our neighbor and give away the guilt. Because you've taken the guilt onto yourself. You've borne our shame and our guilt. Father, bless your word today. We know that it won't return to you void, but it will accomplish everything it's set out to do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Family, let's prepare our hearts for communion. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us this morning. We are so excited and so thankful. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, you've just made the best decision of your life, and we are so excited, and all of heaven is rejoicing with us. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone from Epiphany Church will follow up with you as soon as possible. If you have chosen to become a member of Epiphany Church Wilmington today, welcome, and we cannot wait to meet you. Click the link at the bottom of the screen, and someone will contact you as soon as possible. Also, 
If you could give, and there are several ways to give, you could click the link at the bottom of the screen, you could text, you could download the app, but we need you to give. Uh, without your giving, we would not be able to do any of the things that we do as a church in the community. Once again, thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Like, comment, subscribe, and share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington, where we believe in being on the block, in the middle of it, for Jesus Christ. God bless you all, and you have all have a wonderful week.